Welcome to the That Don't Fit podcast, a podcast where we're dedicated to talking about life and life's real issues that cross racial and generational lines. My name is Jared Torrance, and I'm here with my co-host, Andy Farmer. We're friends, we're pastors, we're wanting to help people talk and process life in a crazy world. Welcome to the conversation. All right, we are back with another episode of That Don't Fit, and um, today we are tackling a large topic. We are going to be talking about slavery and specifically trying to get to the question and the answers of the reasons why slavery did not end at the beginning of our republic. And so Andy has been working on this topic for a long time. He's doing like a a book project. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Working on this for over two years. I'm sure other research and things much prior to that, but actively been involved in this for the past two years in a specific project. So yeah, we'll be interacting over this topic Mm -hmm. and he will be, I think Andy will be driving most of it and um, we'll interact, talk through these things and really hoping this will be a helpful episode for us today. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a a bigger picture. I've been working on a biography that we'll talk about at a future date. Um, But at the core of it was dealing with the question of slavery and the founding of, of our republic. And the question I think that's underneath a lot of other questions we deal with now, which is why in a, in, a, in a republic that declared independence mm-hmm. and declared freedom and is built on freedom, did you have slavery? When you could really start a country however you wanted to. Right. Uh, why did slavery uh, get woven into the very start in a way that took a civil war to end and the effects of of uh, race-based slavery to continue right. on to the present day, and I think that that it's a it's a massive question. I don't pretend to answer it, but I, in working on this project, I had to wrestle with the question. And yeah. so, what I did is I uh, I came up just in research with sort of four reasons why I think it was hard at the time of the founders to deal with this, and why they they ultimately failed mm. to deal with it. Historically, what happened is they basically kicked the kicked the can down the road, left it for other people to solve. Mm-hmm. But there were reasons for that. And um, before I start, I, so I've got four reasons we'll talk about. But before I start, I want to speak to two groups of people. One group of people would be maybe listening and uh, and hear me. And you know, I'm going to be talking about this kind of you know in kind of a history way. I'm just going to relate about it, it yeah. talk about it. Um, and might wonder why this doesn't seem to affect me more. And it may affect me, I don't know. And I just speak to you and just let you know, I've been affected for the last two years, and, and you, know, you don't read on this topic at length uh, without weeping and without lamenting and without mm-hmm. uh, struggling with what does it mean to be American. Yeah. Um, and so I want you to know that if, if you don't hear that in my voice, it doesn't mean it's not there. It yeah. just means that I've made it to a place where I, I'm at least trying to talk about it in, a, in kind of more of a, you know, just here's what I've found out. Yeah. Um, another group of people might feel like, wow, you know, you're coming down pretty hard on some founders and I'm not going to be naming names. And, and I want you to know I love my country and this is not United States bashing. Right. <laughs> I, I do believe what this is is an honest assessment of great men dealing with things that were beyond their ability to ultimately resolve. And they all knew it. Mm-hmm. To a man, everybody who 
mm-hmm. in this first generation knew they were failing on the issue of slavery. Oh, wow. They they all had different ideas of what success would mean. Yeah. But there was no man that I've read about, no leader that I've read about who came out thinking, yes, this is going to be good from now on. Yeah. Everybody knew we're just we're just putting it off. And there are reasons for that. So so I think I'm trying to speak in that voice as well, just, you know, recognizing that we had we had great great men and women uh, as founders. They were not perfect, and they uh, belong on statues, but they they uh, they came with problems, and they yeah. and they dealt like we do in a real and complex world where you could not simply will something into existence. They had to they had to make choices. They had to make compromises. They had to, uh, and what they did was remarkable. But there was failure written into the very thing yeah. and so and we know that now historically in a way they they couldn't have imagined <laughs> frankly so so for those folks who feel like you know yeah i, I feel like you're, you're you're hearing things that maybe seem i'm i'm, I'm kind of down on the fathers no i'm not yeah you know in some ways i respect them more because i feel like i've gotten to know them better but uh you do need to be honest and, and and real quick before you even dive in just as you're talking just thoughts start flooding my mind of like yeah like countries histories are like the only area that we do that sort of censoring in Mm -hmm. like in any biblical narrative like every hero in the in the hebrew hall of faith is like a twisted messed up hero and god allows us to see all of those flaws because there's literally only one perfect man there's a god man Mm -hmm. jesus christ Mm -hmm. and so you know when we read of moses when we read of uh, Abraham, when we read of all these heroes, like they were, they were men that did great things that had tremendous flaws. And so I don't know why we can't just take, well, I, what we need to do is take that same kind of idea of like, yeah. okay, yeah, Abraham was great, but he also like tried to get people to sleep with his sister or his wife yeah. and yeah. pretend that it was a sister. Yeah. Like both that, that's that same guy is Abraham. And so I think we can do the same thing with our country. Like say, yeah. yes, this founder did these great things, but man, he also did these hor- horrible things and yeah. they need to be looked at yeah. square in the eye and, and dealt with. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it helps us. Yeah. I think it'll help us. <clears throat> my, my hope is that in thinking through this stuff, it helps us tighten our narratives a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think we, when, when we as Americans have radically different views of what happened and interpretations of what it means, I think the, the challenge is it's very difficult to know where we go from there. Mm. Um, so the goal here is not to sort of say this is the way it happened, but I think... If this produces uh, maybe a, maybe a more complex understanding, then when someone else comes, you know, from a different place, you at least have space to say, okay, well, I can see how you got there. Yeah. As opposed to that's wrong. Right. That's good. And so that's kind of the goal here. So I'm going to jump in um, again. I have four basic headings, and I'm just going to. I think I'm going to be primarily talking. JT's going to going to freely interrupt. <laughs> But I'm going to probably talk uh, just through these. I'm working off a manuscript, but I won't be reading the manuscript. So these are four reasons why I believe slavery was brought into the American experience legally. Yeah. Again, big picture, these guys had a blank slate. They, once they declared independence, they could create whatever they wanted. Yeah. They, they, they were not bound by anything other than their, their, uh, their imagination. And the things that they thought about, you can tell from the, the constitutional debates, they had a wide-ranging mm-hmm. idea of what the country could be. 
how it could be governed, how it could be structured. They were bringing a lot of ideas. It was a time of great ideas, and all those and and the, and the Constitutional Convention was essentially like the 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 laboratory of all the ideas of that age yeah. coming into play. How's this going to work? Mm-hmm. And the whole world was watching, <laughs> and uh, and England was ticked off. Everybody else was watching. <laughs> And so they, they felt this great burden to create something out of nothing. And so what they created was remarkable, and it was the first of its kind. Yeah. To get there, they had to kind of go through these processes. So what they were dealing with, the first one I call this, and these are they're probably easier read than easier, easier on paper than reading, but I call <laughs> it the historically accepted practice of treating humans as a species of property. And I use that word species of property because it was the legal term. Oh, wow. Um, uh, in, in, in the laws, whenever you talked about human slavery, mm. the word was species of property. Wow. Um, so there was a historically accepted practice in the 1700s when this was all playing out. It's not like now where we think about slavery as something in a, from a bygone era or right. from places that are so Archaic. terrible now. Yeah. That we can't possibly imagine there's any there's any rule of law at all. Mm. Slavery was the law of the land in most places. Slavery was so accepted and been so accepted for, you know, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. It was, it would have been, it would have been radical to not have slaves. Mm. They were called different things in different places. For example, if in Russia they were. They were serfs. They were, okay. and and they were people who were tied to the land, and they got transferred with the land. In every culture, the Greeks, the Romans, the, er, the, the Islamic states, the Indian and Chinese empires, great great Native American tribes, all had slaves. Hmm. So there isn't any. Wow, that 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 civilization had no slaves. Yeah, yeah. They all did because what would happen is that it, they w- it would happen in one of two ways. It would either be through conquest, and so you would conquer a people, mm-hmm. and the those spoils of conf- of, con- of 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 vic- victory, where we have the right to enslave the people there. Mm. So we see that in the Bible. Yeah. And so that was understood. If you if you win, you enslave. If you lose, you will be enslaved. That's mm. the way wars were fought, because um, wars were fought over territory and peoples in territories. Um, the other way that, 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 that people would be enslaved is if they were minorities mm. in, a, in a culture um, where you had a majority group and then you had a minority group. Obviously, the minority group will have not, not have the power, right. and they tend to be put in some sort of subservient role to the level of some form of slavery. Mm-hmm. And so, so the, the basic point there is that all these people who were in the United States at this time accepted historically slavery as a fact Mm. Um, freedom coming to the united states for for coming to america for freedom did not mean we were going to come in without slaves Mm. 1619 um, the first africans are introduced into this new world as slaves Um, and that starts the the slave trade now question yeah and all that so those other countries with their slaves would there would there be as detrimentally treated as like it, it, like 
the yeah the their property property gotcha. yeah their property that was the, the species there's really no distinction between them and livestock a chair oh my gosh yeah. yeah and livestock that's the way they're treated gotcha and in some cases worse frankly in mm-hmm. their, their cultures where you know where where brutality the, there were reasons why there was a more diversity in how trades, slaves were treated in our country than in most countries but they were still slaves it was a given. It was a universal given. What happened, though, and this is important and where it gets involved with, with you know, our country, is that Europe became a, the dominant sort of center of power. And because of really um, the ability to navigate the, the, the oceans extended far and wide and in, in a conquering way. And mm-hmm. so... So the 1400s, 1500s, you know, Columbus and, and since then was what they call the colonization time yeah. period. And that's where all you had these, these huge, they're, they're small European countries. What's interesting is it's not like China, which is right. a vast country, and then just kind of gathers countries close by it and mm-hmm. makes it bigger. In Europe, you have these small countries. You have an Italy or you have a Spain, Great Britain. And they go and build empires all over the world, even though they remain small in their own landmass. And so, so the empire building was, by definition, slave extending. Mm. And so what you ended up with by the time the 1600s come around is wherever Europe went, slavery followed. Their version gotcha. of slavery followed. And they enslaved the people that were there. Mm. Um, so, so slavery was built into colonization yeah. from the get-go. And so we have this mentality that, that, yes, slaves are, you know, South America, the Spanish, it just happened all over the world. So what really made a difference or what makes this distinct is the, the African slave trade. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, Africans enslaved one another. Yeah. There were no different uh, civilizationally than any other place in the world. Um, and they slave, enslaved for the same reasons, conquering and, yeah. and power. Um, but when the Europeans uh, got to Africa, saw there were riches, also recognized there were people that they could, they could take. And in fact, sometimes mm-hmm. were given those people by other tribes. They mm-hmm. were conquered, conquering tribes would actually sell the people they conquered to the Europeans. And so the Europeans were exporting slaves. That's a very unusual thing historically. Yeah, yeah. The export of one peoples to, to a whole different part of the world yeah. to be the slaves in that part of the world. That's what makes European slavery somewhat unique. Mm-hmm. Because you're, if you imagine, and it became what is known as the triangular trade. Mm. Um, the triangular trade is you have these European, I'm, you know, if you're just listening, I'm kind of trying to do with my hands on, on a map. <laughs> you have Europe and they're all they're all in the business they go down to africa the coast of africa the the west coast of africa and they set up slave trading in the west coast of africa and and african princes profit greatly from it and it's a way they gain power these they they fill boats with slaves african slaves they take them across typically mostly to to the Caribbean, but then eventually up to the United States, to, to the, the uh, North America. And they use them as the labor force, mm. right? Um, an expendable labor force, a labor force that, that uh, doesn't, it's very economical. Mm-hmm. You're not going to enslave Europeans. Mm. 
they become slaves, and then what they produce is goods that then are taken taken back to um, to, to to Europe and sold. And so Europe profits Awful. on this triangular trade. So it's Europe gotcha. to to Africa to the New World, and then back to Europe. And then the goods come back to Europe. And the things that we have to keep in mind on this is that most Europeans had no idea what slavery was because they were not bringing slaves into Europe. Whoa, yeah. European, there were very few. There were servants. You would mm -hmm. occasionally see rich people with servants. Certainly they had slaves. Yeah. But the, slavery was a workforce to tame uh, the new world. Mm. It was not a labor force for England or any place like that. So, so, so slavery was entirely outside of European experience. And because of that, there was no outcry as to what was happening. There was no, nobody was against it. It was just it's Something that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were truly property and tools. So John, John Newton uh, was a slave trading captain, and, and so part of what he began to realize it was this, this evil right. in transporting people and going back home and having everybody think it's just because we're a great country. Mm. We're, doing, we're prospering because we're a great country, mm. not we're prospering on the backs of enslaved people. That's wild, because those, I mean, the conditions of the, the boat rides were not. No. Like cargo, few, yeah, but and and you know, and people would justify certain things around it because that's where like those certain uh, theological ideas came of like is is this, is this the same time when that would happen like the chaplains on the slave ships theologizing a justification of lesser people or is that come coming later? Well, yeah, I mean it's happening because one of the things that starts happening is. There are people, and, and coming into the 17, middle of the 1700s, okay. where they become aware, increasingly aware, of just the moral right. issues. Okay, right? gotcha. That's what I was... Um, one of the things that was happening was that the general understanding is that the African was inferior. Right, right. And was a heathen race. And this is not gotcha. unusual for Europeans. If you're heathen, you're less than us. Mm -hmm. The idea was, well, we can do this because these are, we're actually improving their condition oh, yeah. because they're less than human. Yeah. Right? And that was the justification. But then people started saying, well, should you not try to evangelize slaves? Mm. And so there were people early, mid-1700s, who began to evangelize slaves. And slaves were responding to the gospel. So suddenly, the morality of enslaving a brother mm -hmm. becomes an issue. And for the first time in history, the institution of slavery comes into question. Because, because they've built it on this idea of superior and inferior people people but if you truly are a believer then you have equal status with me yeah so what that introduced was race-based slavery which is we're going to categorize this whole race as inferior mm. and so though you may quote unquote yeah 
you know, become a Christian, you were designed by God for labor. And we are simply letting you be what you're supposed to be. Mm. We were designed by God to be masters. Gotcha. And tragically, yeah. um, and we know this, uh, the Bible is used right. to justify these things. This is the curse of Ham. Yeah, curse yeah. of Ham. And, and um, not, not by everybody, um, but it certainly was used because yeah. that was the question. People began to raise theological questions, mm -hmm. and they were answered that way. But less people think, well, that's, you know, that's that bad religion. Mm -hmm. You know, the, uh, the Enlightenment people, the, the secularists, right. developed a whole science of oh, inferiority. Wow. So what you had was this, they, they were feeling the pressure of mm -hmm. the morality. And so they, they, began to, uh, they began to develop these arguments. Yeah. And so the mid-1700s is the first time in history where the morality of slavery itself how can i enslave my brother yeah you know and um and that's when you start to have the crusades you know early oh, uh it, you know the, the 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 quakers here mostly um the uh the wilberforces mm -hmm. people like that mid late 1700s but they're hammering this this biblical moral issue you yeah. can't these are these are your brothers so they were trying to prove that slaves people who were enslaved were were human beings created in the image of god mm -hmm. and therefore had the right to be treated that way and to enslave them was to actually disobey the bible right um so that was the argument they were making but they were persuading people trying to persuade people who had built-in prejudices based on color yeah it was easy to identify who should be enslaved by color. Mm. So all our, all our issues with uh, race-based or, or, or color-based racism or appearance-based racism are really found there. Yeah. Before that, it didn't really matter what you look. If you, were, if you were Chinese and you were enslaved by other Chinese, you looked the same. It's just what part of the country were you from? What mm -hmm. part of the world were you from? No, in this case, no, I can tell you're supposed to be in. By just slave, by looking at you. By yeah. looking at you. Yeah. You belong there. Mm. So that's the big question that, that the reformers are dealing with. Um, you had this other issue. It was actually became the biggest issue uh, in, in the struggle, which is you had the, the triangular slave trade created two economic systems. It created an economic system about the use of slaves to plan and and yeah. create money and an economic a separate economic system about selling people yeah about the slaves themselves. so there was a slave trade yeah. economy and there was a slave use economy and they were tied together but they were separate and so the issue was you you had to deal with both mm -hmm. and this was the big issue that the that the, the abolitionists were dealing with they knew that they had to they couldn't take. They couldn't conquer slavery until they shut off the slave trade. Hmm. So that's why in the in the, in the 1700s, uh, late 1700s, you almost always hear just about the slave trade. You yeah. got to end the slave trade. Yeah. Um, uh, and countries are gradually doing that. But that's a huge, that's a huge factor because basically you're fighting two two wars. Right. And you you know you're already in the minority if you're anti slavery. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, also get in the way of money too. Yeah, and the Europeans don't care mm. because they're benefiting, right. but they're not dealing with seeing enslaved people every day. Right. It's only when in the United States more and more people started to kind of re- wrestle with it, mostly in the North, not in the South, because mm-hmm. the North didn't build their economy on slavery, mm-hmm. built it on a bit on the benefits of slavery, but right, not on slavery right. itself. So. Um, so what they were doing, activists, what they were doing is they were, is they were coming across these, uh, these slaves and former slaves who had, who, who had demonstrated through education in other ways equality. You know, you know Phyllis Wheatley and, mm. and um, Oladua Equiano and others mm-hmm. like that are, are just declarations that we're just like, you know, I, I am a man. Yeah, I am a man is the is the slogan, and so uh, it it put a lot of pressure, sort of upward pressure, gotcha. and governmental pressure increasing on slavery, but uh, but they first had to they had to stop the slave trade, and so what happened? This the first generation of anti-slave people were primarily focused and th- on the end of the slave trade. Mm-hmm. That they that's where they put their effort. Um, so when our country was being formed in 1770s, 1780s, the issue of ending slavery was not really on the table as a primary issue. Okay. It was ending the slave trade. We have oh, to wow. stop the slave trade. We have to do mm-hmm. one and then the other. Mm-hmm. And so what you and so pa- and just remind me, yeah. so the slave trade was the the of of the people. Yeah, and then the slave. Uh, like sources yeah. would be like the well the two the two issues of slave trade is the buying and selling of people, of people. into slavery yeah slavery was the holding of people in bondage in a workforce gotcha for their whole lives yeah with no recourse out yes yeah and so you have this whole economy in the, in particularly in the in 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 the West Indies and in in um in the American colonies in the South where it's the slaves are just a huge part of the country. They, out, mm-hmm. they outnumber whites. Wow. In a lot of cases. Um, but they're just a workforce. Yeah. Um, and they're enslaved. They can't change. So, so it's, the, it's the trade and then it's the subjugation are the two, legal subjugation. They're the two issues. And they're totally separate. Yeah. So the first generation of, of and this kind of winding up this sort of point, the first generation of abolitionists could not really even envision the end of slavery. Mm. They didn't even know how to how to start how to start there. They just realized if we don't if we don't turn off the spigot. Yeah. The hope was gotcha. if we turn off the spigot within a generation, yeah, we can maybe tackle the other. Yeah. So they actually in in the Constitution they they had a twenty year moratorium on being able to even bring up a law against this against slavery, but. By 1807, as soon as that 20 years was up, they had enough to actually end the slave trade. So in 1807, wow. they ended the slave trade in the United States. Other European countries were all doing it. The problem was, and, and Frederick Douglass you know, made a point of this, is by that time, there were enough slaves in the country to furnish internal mm. slave trade. Mm. They didn't need any more from Africa. Yeah. 
So, wow. Yeah. So that, but by by that, that time, those first generation are starting to die out. They're starting. So they to they ended the slave trade, but it's like by this point, there's enough in here yeah. to keep it going. Yeah, it's almost like the pro-slavery people are sure, no problem. We're good. Yeah, we're yeah. good. It's actually oh, more wow. costly now. We can do it. We, more we've got enough our own economically mm. by just doing it on our own. And um, so so it was a victory in the sense that you couldn't go back then and open it back up. Mm-hmm. But it was a. Uh, by that point, it, it really just changed the focus. But the hard part is that all those first-generation abolitionists, that was such a focus of their efforts. By the time that got happened, that was their victory. Yeah. And then there was probably about 10 or 15 years where there was no momentum. Wow. Because there was nobody who had gotten past that point. Mm. And you see other things happening, which we won't get into, but where it, took another, it takes another 20 years for a new generation of yeah. anti-slavery people to emerge. So that doesn't happen until 1830s. Wow. Um, so, and so the problem is that our, our country was founded coinciding with the end of the slave trade, but prior to dealing with slavery. The slavery itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the first point. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. They actually call it the, there, there's a word they use for it, um, where they, they, they actually talk about the, the silent years of abolition, because there's just, everybody, wow. that whole generation was now sort of past the ability to do anything. So second one um, that made it hard is there was a, what I call a culturally accepted order. This is my, this is my book writing language. <laughs> Culturally accepted order of a stratified hierarchical society. So <laughs> what I mean by that is the idea of equality that we talk a lot about at that time was not everybody equal. Mm, mm. It was still class driven. Okay. Yeah. There's a general equality, but the more money you have, the more equal you are. <laughs> yeah you know yep. and it's again it's right from europe that's the way they right. did things exactly yeah you know if you had if you owned land mm-hmm. you had greater freedom than if you were a tenant on the land yeah you know if you if you were independently if you had inherited wealth you were gr- more free than mm-hmm. someone who had to make their wealth every day so so and they were, that was that was comfortable. That's what they you know they all knew that everybody knew. Okay, he's in, in you know in England, you know Lord so and so. Yeah. Okay, everybody knows. Nobody has a problem with him being Lord, and I'm not Lord. Mm. You know he's got a, he's got a title. I don't have a title. Wish I could have one. Yeah. Never gonna get one. <laughs> Just deal with it. Uh, so America was a highly stratified society. As much as we talk about equality. There were, there were upper classes, middle classes, and lower classes, and they were very difficult to go between. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom, sort of outside, were wow. the slaves. Mm. But even in, in that, there were all kinds of, there were all kinds of servants, yeah. dependent servants. So they were called what they called indentured servants, yeah. where you were contracted to serve. Mm. You might be European, but you're contracted to serve um, for a period of time to pay off a debt or something like that. And they worked alongside slaves yeah. in a lot of cases. And so if you looked at a typical household, you might not know except for color 
who Which was the slave and you know by, the, by if you looked at what they did mm-hmm. um so so there's this hierarchy in the society um at the top are white protestant male property owners you know you got to be all those yeah right you gotta yes. be white yeah gotta be protestant most cases unless yep. you're in maryland gotta be protestant <laughs> <laughs> that's that was catholic um you have to be a property owner at to be at the top um, all the founding fathers were those were those yeah. people. Um, virtually all of them. There's only a few that were even Catholic. Uh, below this is kind of like a merchant class. Okay. You know, they're the ones who, who actually end up making a lot of money, but they, th- they make it based on business, not based on ownership of something. Mm. Land was the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're mostly white and Protestant. Um, uh, but they didn't have class collect connections and they didn't have wealth and property. Wealth and property was huge because if you owned property, you couldn't be run off it. Mm, you, it couldn't mm-hmm. be, your, your livelihood couldn't be taken from you. Yeah. Um, they, and so that, this idea in doing research, the idea of being a property owner was, is giant. Okay. It's giant. Um, it's the whole deal. Beyond sort of those folks is, is the, the, there's what they call the, the subsistence people. They, they're farmers, the people who basically, if I have a good crop, I do well. If I have a bad crop, I, yeah. you know, I don't want to do well. <laughs> and then laborers who could be from any sort of ethnic group, free, mm. but they're basically dependent on people hiring them gotcha. if they're going to survive. And then below that, slaves. Um, mm. The issue is everybody but the slave was in some sense free. Yeah. They may be economically limited, but they're free, yeah. and they're recognized as free. Only slaves were not free. And we had indentured servants, and they weren't free while they were indentured, but the whole idea is it's a contract right. that I can work my way out of. Yeah. Um, what happened is when you have – and I, the person I'm working on is in the north. It's, it's slavery, it's about – because they're they're – they're farming vast acreage. It's about numbers. Mm. It's about we need a lot of slaves to do this work. So there's whole slave slave economies. In the north, it's kind of more. We have a few slaves, but we don't have uh, we don't have a huge. It, it isn't a big part of our property. Mm. Um, so slaves tend to be more connected to the families in the north. But it was race-based slavery. Yeah, it was it was entirely race-based slavery. Um, what it did is it, uh, you know, this hierarchical thinking made a lot of white people at the top recognize that slavery had moral problems. But it also, because they were hierarchical, because they were elitist, it, they sort of thought this is actually best for, this is best for these people. They're inferior people. Slavery is what's good for them, and, and, and a lot of the arguments you see, particularly around the Constitution, was people arguing for how the slave's life is actually better than it would be if they weren't enslaved. And they're using this, this elitist kind of an argument. Right, you know, right. they're, we're better than them. We should know what they need. Mm. And so racism is baked into yeah. slavery that way. We know better. Yeah. And, um, and we still deal with that. So the, it, you call it paternalism. Yeah. Our job yeah. is to make sure these, these less than people uh, 
we, you know, if we're good, if we're good owners, we give them a decent place to live and we give them a, you know, we don't work them too hard. And the fact that they're not free is actually for their benefit. Wow. You know, um, and so, and it was a big deal. Um, so, so those are, that's a, that's a huge thing because it makes it, we can feel it today. When you're used to thinking a certain way. Yeah. It's very hard to think outside that box. Mm -hmm. And when I'm walking around in a white space and I see somebody who's not white, I don't think they're like me. Mm -hmm. I think they're different than me. Yeah. And, uh, and I think one of the things I became aware of in doing this study and this, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, um, we'll kind of start to, to, to shut this section down yeah. here, but, it was very difficult. They could acknowledge that owning people was wrong. People were getting to that point. Mm -hmm. But that heart issue mm -hmm. of I'm inherently better, right. that racism. Yeah. You know, we talk about what is racism. It's that sense that we carry that we are superior yeah based on our race alone. Mm -hmm. That was common. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the general understanding. Um, we're much more sophisticated now, I think, but we can still yeah. have that. And uh, that sense of who I am by virtue of my ethnicity or my color or whatever makes me superior. Mm -hmm. um, and that was... That goes back to that hierarchy. It's because we've, we've set a hierarchy and the people who belong, and obviously women were in every one of these mm -hmm. strata, but they were always secondary right. to the men. Right. Um, so, which is why when you, you, when you get to the Constitutional Convention, it's all top tier mm -hmm. guys. And they can't think outside that box. Yeah. So I, I've, I've learned as much as you'll, and you read the amazing things about equality and liberty mm -hmm. and freedom. And when you think about this point, you have to think about the blindness, right. uh, the inability to, to turn. <laughs> Some did, um, even Jefferson at times. You know, you read the founders and you realize there are times when they're totally honest, they realize they're hypocrites. Wow, okay. Um, but wow. they can't, they can't, they don't have an alternative. They don't have yeah. a, they, they can't go against that. Very few actually were standing up and saying, now listen, this is totally wrong. Mm -hmm. They are our equal. These people are equal and to enslave them uh, is, to, is to demean them in a way that, that God forbids. Mm -hmm. uh, but you could not get people to have a sustained argument that way most of the time. Wow. So, so those are two. Um, and we'll look at two more next time.